just good to be together again uh, after the big church weekend. We had a great time, and I know some of you, you've traveled uh, to rest on holiday. Some people have been to Ghana, some went to France, like Ben. I know some people went to Singapore, some went to Canada, and uh, I went to Manchester. (laughs) At least I traveled. (laughs) I traveled to Bonage. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's posh. That's posh. Bonage. Don't say Bonage, it's Bonage. But it's, it's just good to be family together. It's good to see Dave uh, doing his exercises and on his crutches. And God has been just so good. The operation went very well. The next day he was discharged after the operation. And he's been doing well, walking one kilometer with his crutch or crutches sometimes. And uh, Dave is, God is just so good. Yeah. I think I saw Fasha no, somewhere there. He's been wanting to join his wife for a time, but God has made it possible for him to be here. So let's get into the word. Is that okay? So what I'm trying, what I will try to do today is to bring a little bit of what we did at the big church weekend with uh, uh, my title, The Impact and Effect of Grace, on what we are pursuing together as a church. I'm sure we all know that as a church, the way we want to make Jesus famous is to be loved lovers, loving others. That's our core value. So if you want to read a little bit more, I think there was a time we circulated or there there was this this leaflet that we sent around. I don't know whether you've had a chance to look at it. What does it mean to be loved? What does it mean to be lovers and then loving others? Well, if you want to read a little bit more about it today, as soon as you get to the middle floor on your right, it's all written there. Just take a bit of of time to read it. One of the things that happens is when people come for conferences here or for a conference here, sometimes they spend two, three minutes just looking at what our values are. So it will be good as a family of God's people that when someone wakes you up and says, what's, what's the value of King's Church? What do you people stand for? Don't just say, oh, we are King's people. <laughs> yes, we are, King's, we are King's people. But have a look at it. What do you stand for? What are you about? Some of us, we work in companies where we work. When they ask you, what do you do? You, you'll be able to tell them what your roles are. What's your job? your job specification. And then when they say, what's your organization all about? You'll be able to tell them, this is what we do. We produce computers or we, we, we make software, but my department is just to make sure I'm involved with advertisement. So it's also good for us as a family of God's people uh, to know what we are all about so that when somebody asks you, what's your church about? What do you do? You'll be able to say, oh, this is what we are all about, and this is what we are going for. Um, So the title of my message is The Impact and Effect of Grace. So I'm, I'm trying to look at, I know there has been a lot of messages going on about the gospel of grace, what grace is. 
Uh, I think, yeah, I, that's, that's quite fine. Let's get as much information, as much knowledge, as much revelation we have on grace. But I want to focus a little bit more on what is the result of grace. What is grace meant to achieve in our life? Has God just given us grace so that we can enjoy his grace? Yes. And what is the impact? What is the influence? How does it work? When, when, when we say, okay, how is grace working in your life? Can people see the effect of grace? It's not just about talking about it, or it's not about talking, talking on it, talking over it, explaining it. Can people really see the effect as a family of God's people and see the effect in our life? So that's what I want to talk about in the next uh, 20 minutes. One thing I like about, you know, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. So I want to define grace from Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verses 1 to 10. Verses 1 to 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. I will just try and define grace. It may be very long, but don't worry. That's, I'm just taking, there are several definitions about grace, but I will be taking my definition from Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, and I don't also want to talk about the book of Ephesians because I think there was a time Dave, Dave took us through the exposition about what the, the book of Ephesians stands for. We can, we can look at that uh, on the internet. Good. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is not at work in those who are disobedient, please take note of that. Even, even when we are talking about the devil, when we are talking about uh, um, following the ways of this world, when we are talking about the ruler, you see this Bible passage says the ruler you know, not rulers. He has apprentices. The ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Bible even says there is a spirit that is working. It's producing an effect. It's producing something. They, they, so, so that ruler is not just making them to settle as if, look, I'm in charge of you. No, he produces, he works in them. In those who are disobedient. All of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So you can begin to see that even the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air has desires that is pushing. He has thoughts and he knows how to make people to follow his desires and thoughts. In fact, I was reading Romans chapter 1, verse 28, 29, and 30 the other day. And the Bible says, there are some people, they will give themselves to inventing things, evil things. Can you imagine? There are some people in this world, the only thing they've given themselves to is to invent evil things. And they don't rest. They are committed, they are passionate, they pursue that. But we can see now that there is somebody who is at work in them. And the Bible says we were among those people. In fact, at certain times, some of us were involved in all those things. 
said like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Did you see we've been describing something that is not good, something evil? But there was a bridge, there was a break. Love. The love of God countered all the activities of the devil. All the activities of the ruler of this world. Wow, I would think that God should use some machinery, some equipment to, 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 to destroy that. And I know God can do that. But the first thing God did was to, to, to bring love to action. Love that overrides. The love of God that is not based, that is unconditional, that is not based on what we have done or we've not done. And the love of God is there. Sometimes, some of us, we think we can comprehend the love of God. It's so great that we can't comprehend it. We can't finish using the love of God, if there's anything like that. When you think you have absorbed, you have consumed the love of God. Sometimes we're in His presence and we're just soaking and enjoying His presence. In another one minute, you just discover that the love of God is so overwhelming again. It's so great. We need to be people who tap into the love of God every time. It doesn't finish. Nobody, the love of God cannot be conquered. Hmm. The love of God cannot diminish. The love of God cannot be tampered with. Because it's God himself. The Bible says God is love. Who can, who can, who, who can stand before the Lord God Almighty? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's so powerful. And God has decided to lavish his love upon all of us. This is so great. Well, you know, I, I feel consumed by this love that I need to progress. <laughs> Please, see the first thing that the love of God did for us in verse 5. He made us alive with Christ. The love of God doesn't make us dead or passive. He brings life. Injects life, injects inspiration, and you just come alive. What's the next thing? It says, When we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. Verse 5 says, He made us alive with Christ. Verse 6 says, He raised us up with Christ. I love that. Please, you need to take note of this. This is who we are. This is what the love of God has achieved in our life. Verse 5 says, he made us alive with Christ. Verse 6 says, what did he say now? He made us what? He raised us up together. I just wanted to check whether you are following me. <laughs> and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He made us alive with Christ. He raised us and sat us down. He brought us to a place of rest. A, a place where we are not struggling. The Bible says, let's labor, let's, let's, let's do everything to enter his rest. Let's walk from the place of rest. Because those who have entered the rest of God, they've seized from their own labor. 
Don't forget those three things. That the love of God achieved for us through Christ Jesus by grace. He raised us up. So, sorry, he made us alive. He raised us up. And what did he do? He sat us. We are seated in Christ. That's where you are. You may not know it all, but that's where you are. <laughs> Honestly, that's where we are. That's what Christ achieved for us. In order that in the coming ages it might show the incomparable riches of his grace. You know, when I take note of some of the, the way the Bible describes the love of God, his great love for us, when I look at the way the Bible describes his grace, incomparable, you can't compare it. Please stop comparing the grace of God with any other thing. <laughs> it's incomparable. Then it now added another word, riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Did you see what Christ Jesus achieved for us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It now says in verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Are you beginning to see that what we have entered into, our salvation, is not because you are praying. It's not because we are fasting. We will fast though. It's not because we are doing anything. It's not even because we are paying tithe and offering. We are generous people. We will do that. But it's not because of that. You can't come and say, I'm saved because I just decided to make God happy. So, so I gave my life to Christ. Uh -uh. It's not of your works. It is by grace. It is a gift. So when I began to look at the gift God lavished on us, gifts that you don't work for, the gift of holiness, the gift of salvation, the gift of grace, the gift of, the gift of righteousness. Even to be righteous before God is not what you are working for. It's what Jesus did on the cross. So you keep on saying, he made us alive. He raised us up. We are seated in Christ. That's who we are. That's the grace of God. So should I define grace like this? Probably I should just finish it. So it's not by works so that no one will boast. Thank you for coming to tell us that. Uh, no one, and it's, it's, it's very important. I have a little glimpse on, 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 on his life story. And for God to raise him up to that level. We thank God for that. And that's what grace can do. He said, for we are God's and the work, created in Christ Jesus, please look at the last thing, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what is grace? Some theologians would describe grace as God's deliverance for us from the enemy. Some people would de define grace as God's riches, at the expense of Christ. Yes, G-R-A-C-E. At Christ's expense. I wanted to check whether you're following me. <laughs> I have to do many of that today. <laughs> Some people would define grace, and all these things are true, as God's unmerited favor. 
We are meant for wrath. We are meant to be punished. We are meant to be condemned. But God said, I will overlook that. You are accepted. You are loved. I've accepted you. So God is not giving us the punishment we deserve. He gives us something greater than that. So how will I define grace? Grace is God's divine enablement that makes us to do, that positions us in a place where we couldn't have get by our own power or works. Hmm, let me define it again. Grace is God's divine enablement that snatched us from the kingdom of darkness into his own kingdom. And then he, 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 he gave us an ability for us to be able to do what we couldn't do by ourselves and positions us in a place where we couldn't get by our power or by works. We need to be seeking God's grace. That is your identity. That is my identity. Amen. So let me look at the impact and the effect of grace. You will help me to also look at 1 Corinthians so I'm going to use Paul to illustrate, illustrate this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles. Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I will read two verses, 9 and 10. So Paul was talking about himself. He said, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, did you see the bridge again? <laughs> but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. I don't know whether you are taking note of what I'm saying this morning. No, I worked other than all of them. Yet not high, but the grace of God that was with me. Let me read it again. It says, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I walked other. Can you see the place of work? He said he was walking other than all of them. Yet it wasn't him, but the grace of God that was with him, that was walking. Oh. How do I bring this down? Let me read it in, in, in the message translation. It says, I don't deserve to be included in that inner circle. As you well know, having spent all those years trying my best to stamp God's church right out of existence. But because God was so gracious, so very generous, here I am. I'm not about, the, I'm, I'm not about to let his grace go to waste. Haven't I worked harder trying to do more than any of the others? Even then. My work didn't amount to all that much. It was God giving me the work to do. God giving me the energy to do it. 
<laughs> Are you beginning to see grace? It was God that gave him, he was working, but it was God that gave him the work to do, and God supplied the energy to do the work, to achieve something. So I discovered that every time grace is at work, it's at work. It has to achieve something. Grace has purpose. The grace of God is not purposeless. Hmm. So when, the, when you are saying the grace of God is on my life, which we need to keep receiving, the abundance of God's, of God's grace, it needs to achieve something. And it must produce something. It is effective. It is able to conquer, to succeed and be victorious in any situation it finds itself. That's the grace of God. The grace of God reigns. Nobody can tamper with it. Nobody can destroy it. If the devil had his way, he wouldn't have allowed us to be saved. But the grace of God jumps in. And said, so these people, they are useless. They can't achieve anything. They can't, even no matter how they try. But I'm going to jump in. And I will supply the energy. I will rescue them to make them an achiever. So I saw two effects of grace from verse 9 and 10, which I want us to look at. What does it do? The effect of grace, I call it the inward effect. I am beginning to see from that, those two verses about Paul. There was an internal transformation. He said, this was what I was doing before. I was persecuting the church. In fact, when you read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, he said he was a blasphemer. He was persecuting the church. That it, it, it was just injurious to the church. But when the grace of God touched his life, the first thing we noticed is that there was this inward transformation. It now says, I am what I am. So the first place I saw grace acting is our inner self, an inner transformation. So you know what I discovered? When grace is working inside us, from what we saw from Paul, grace changes our values. Grace changes our identity. Grace changes our pursuit. Grace changes what we are focusing on and concentrating on. And as a child of God, grace makes us to seek the kingdom of God first. Grace places the purpose of God's kingdom at the top. Hmm. So when I say the grace of God is at work in my life, the first thing I need to see is that all those things I used to do, I do them no more. It transforms me, not because of what I'm doing, not because I'm working hard. Grace jumps in so that I won't boast that God, I can decide not to do what you ask me to do. Why? I helped you to save me. <laughs> I helped you to save me. So, the grace of God makes us to love God. Changes our love for the things of the world. 
makes us, places us in a place where we reciprocate God's love back to him. We are able to worship him. We spend time knowing him. The grace of God connects us, makes us to form a strong relationship with God for ourselves first of all. The grace of God makes us to passionately pursue the things of the kingdom. And actually, it places that above every other thing. And I'm not asking you to work to do that. What I'm asking you to do is to say, God, please let your grace work in me to transform me. And you will see it happening. To follow God, to be righteous, you can't do it. It's by the Spirit of God. It's by the grace of God. To leave the things that we used to do behind is by the grace of God. That's why we say sometimes, did I say sometimes? We should be saying this every time. If you are not yet baptized, baptism is a manifestation of an internal reality that when we get baptized in water, we leave the old self behind. We are saying grace is at work inside my life. You see, I left all those things I used to do. I'm raised with Christ. I've got a new life so that everybody can see. And the Spirit of God is at work inside me to achieve a purpose. So that when people see you, they'll say, this girl, she's gracious. Haven't you heard people say that, that? That's a gracious man. That's a gracious lady. Why? Something happened. It wasn't just because he was saying it. Oh, I'm gracious. I'm a gracious man. Mm -mm. There was an action that elicited for us to see whether that grace is at work. And we saw that, ah, oh, this man is gracious. This lady is gracious. So, what is the second thing I saw from that verse? It says, His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked other than all of them. Wow. Wow. I saw an internal effect and an outward effect. The grace of God doesn't make us lazy. The grace of God doesn't make us passive. The grace, the grace of God makes us to work harder. The grace of God says, yes, I need to do something. But I'm tapping on your energy and your grace to make me achieve it. So when we are looking at grace, we want to see the internal effect and the outward effect. So let me just look at a bit at the outward effect. Is that okay? And then I'm going to round up. The outward effect. I've talked a bit about the inward effect. What, what did that achieve in our lives? The Bible says he called us. He washed us. He redeemed us. He sanctified us. He justified us and glorified us. Not because of what you are doing. Can you imagine? He called us. And when he called us, he washed us. And after washing us, he redeemed us. And after he redeemed us, he set us apart. He sanctified us. And after he set us apart, he justified us. And after he justified us, he glorified us. That is our identity. We are glorified people. Stop operating below your level. <laughs> Even the devil knows this. 
If the devil comes around and says, look, Jesus glorified me. He said, well, I thought you didn't know. I'm going to leave you. So let's say the effect, outward effect. We've, we've seen the inward effect. Matthew chapter 10. And I have to be, and I have to just uh, quickly. So I talked a little bit about this at the big church weekend. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus from verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them. Did you see grace again? He gave them power to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Some translation says he gave them authority, but I want to settle with power. So in verse 1 alone, the Bible says Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. He gave them power to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Please, three things I want you to take note of. Did you see grace at work? The power they will use to heal the sick, it didn't belong to them. They were given. So I discovered that it's possible for all of us to achieve something for God. The second thing I want to say is for a purpose. What's that purpose? To cast out impure spirit, to heal the sick, and every disease. So the power of God is to achieve something. It's not for them to say, oh, I'm powerful. You don't know me. I'm a powerful guy. It's not to talk about it. It's not to be boasting about it. You see, come to our church. It's a powerful church. No, it's not. We are powerful, thank God. But what is the power achieving? So I discovered that the power of God needs to be engaged. The power of God flows. When we find a place for it to land, when we find something for it to achieve, when there is a need, the power of God will just jump in. So do you see what the Bible says, talks about Jesus? The Bible says he had compassion on them. And you will just see power flowing. And he will multiply bread to them. He will heal the sick. God has given us power to walk, to achieve something. The power of God in our lives is not for decoration. That is the outward effect. Verse 3. Or let me jump to verse 5. Because of time. This 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritan. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. Did you see again? We are meant to proclaim God's message. And he gave this power to all of them. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Did you see grace at work again? Say, so what you are using to heal the sick, you are giving freely. Let's be eager to give it freely. Some people are in need in our community. In our neighborhood, 
or in our office. Then you say, no, I don't want to give it out. <laughs> and God is saying, you are giving freely. Give something back to them. You know what I discovered before I end and read Mark chapter 16. It says, go rather to the Lordship of Israel as you go. You know the next thing I'm saying? It is as we go. It's not as we sit down. Power, the manifestation of God's power and glory doesn't flow when we are sitting down. When we keep quiet. It's as we go. God will create opportunities for us to preach the good news. God will create opportunities for us to heal the sick. God will create opportunities for us to heal every disease. Let me, let me stop with this illustration. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 16. It's my friend there today, Yanni. is my friend. Yes. Yes. Please come. You know why I like him? He's a child of God. <laughs> and he's handsome. <laughs> well, he's my friend anyway. Mark chapter 16, verse 25. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. 17, I'm reading verse 17 now. And another translation says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. But I want to use the word, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, you see, they will drive out demons, they will speak in tongues, they will pick up snakes, they will heal the sick. You know, nothing will hurt them. He says, these signs will follow. So you are sign, okay? And I'm just moving. I'm the child of God, moving. So when I'm moving, what will follow me? When I stop, what happens? So I can stop for two months. Not preaching the gospel. Not engaging the power of God. Science does what? And then sometimes when we come for a meeting or we hear a prophetic word, we start moving again. And as we are moving, things begin to happen. Hasn't it happened to you? You said something that wasn't irrelevant. And somebody said, well, thank you. Thank you. That, that blessed me. Thank you so much. Or you just said, I'm going to pray for you. You mean you will pray for me? And as you go, what happens? Signs follow. Signs doesn't follow when you are standing still or when you are sitting in your house. What's the next thing? Some of us, we are following signs. <laughs> Please see what happens. Because the Bible says, signs will follow you. So as soon as I face sign, what will sign and wonders do? So I'm moving again, but I'm pursuing signs and wonder. <laughs> we are not meant to be focusing on signs and wonder. Just go. Preach. Lay your hands on the sick. What will happen? What will happen? Signs and wonders will follow. 
But as soon as you are saying, oh, and every time, signs and wonders is following behind us. So it even says, goodness and mercy, we follow you. Let's stop following goodness and mercy. Because every time you want to follow it, it goes behind. Thank you so much, Anna. Let us engage the grace of God by moving. It's not your power. God gave it to us as a gift. I just want to make this response before I ask uh, 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 Daniel to come forward and uh, run the prayers and run the meeting for us. I know some of us have been asking me, I feel I have a pastoral gift. And I want to and you've been asking me, what do I do? I need to be trained. And I want to walk in the church using my gift. I want to say, because of the message I've preached today, the grace of God is available to make that happen. Not by manipulating us, not by controlling us, but by saying, let's engage the energy and the grace of God. And I want to give opportunity to people like that, that wants to be trained, Pastorally. I'm not talking about people who say, oh, I'm a super uh, pastor. You're okay there. No. I'm, 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 I'm talking about people who will work in the church. So we care for each other. We love, you know you love people. How do you make that happen? And you know you, want, you will count the cost. I'm talking about people who count the cost and make sacrifice. People will count the cost. Not just people who say, oh, I want to be pastoral. I want to care for people. And you put your name down. That's not the kind of people I'm talking about. People who say, I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to allow the grace of God to work in my life. I just want to even see how that will happen. And people will say, I want to make sacrifice. Please, at the end of the meeting, if you go to the help desk, please just put your name down, your telephone number, and your email address, it will come to me, and I'm going to contact you during the week. God bless every one of us. Thank you.